0: of fixing to talk sports my name is ryan brown and joining me today are none other than the host of the cool zone pod one nick brown and my friend mike barry fellas how are we
1: doing all right you know i i woke up today feeling dangerous i'm not gonna lie
0: all right baker what do you got for me mike
2: uh tomorrow starts hockey season Uh, I think there are five games on the slate tomorrow, three on national TV. Bruins open up on Thursday. Uh, Pitter-patter, let's get at her.
0: That is what we are here to talk about. The NHL season is upon us, but it will look nothing like seasons past. Without a bubble, the bubble was how the 2020 season finished and concluded, but no bubble this year for the season at least to start. I doubt they'll switch to it at any point, Uh, but COVID protocols, because they're not using a bubble, will be much more strict than before. Most teams not gonna be able to host fans, at least initially, so the league is gonna have to get creative in terms of revenue. They're gonna use advertising in different ways, including allowing advertisements on helmets and selling the naming rights to each of of the four divisions. Uh, this year, both of which are first for the NHL. So in terms, I love of, it. In terms of divisions, you've got the Scotia North Division, the Honda West Division, the Discover Central Division, and the Mass Mutual East Division. Yo, let's go Mass
1: Mutual, baby! <laughs> go bees. So oh, listen, I, I I don't mean to cut you off here, but I love. Beans. I love the fact that they're, uh, they're like giving names to each of these divisions. It just reminds me of fantasy when like every fantasy league you play and everyone just names their division, like real funny stuff. Even if it's not funny and it's just ads and it's trying to bring in more revenue. I kind of like the idea. And I will never understand why people draw such a big deal into like sponsorships on jerseys, on helmets. Bro, load that thing up. Put every ad you could think of. I, I don't care. It's just your like, as long as it doesn't affect like, the jersey too much, and that's why, like, when uh, I, I heard that po- there were possibly rumors of, like, putting stuff on helmets. Who cares? Go for it. Attack the helmets with ads. Bring in that revenue, baby. As long as it's not messing up the jersey all too much because then, you know, you got these jersey purists in every sport, and, like, they get really mad. They're very critical of every jersey. Ah, the hell with them. I like <laughs> the ads. Get the money. I mean, and because, mess- like – you, you And just to like the last thing, you see people uh, – or not people, you see jerseys that have usually like when something – like uh, when a team like loses somebody that's close to the organization or something, they'll put a little patch and like remember it's on it. And I love that stuff. Uh, obviously, ads are a lot different than that because the, the sentimental value isn't the same. But yeah I kind of like adding a little flair to the jersey with some patches and stuff. That's just my All right. Thing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it
2: reminds me of how like European hockey does it. Like if you are, if you've ever Fact. seen uh, like hockey in Finland or Sweden, they have ads on the face-off dots. They have ads everywhere. So, I mean, I welcome the idea, um, you know, get those ads to the highest bidder, uh, especially if, you know, you, you won't have fans in the stands to see the to see the ads in the, in the rinks or on the boards, which is the, the normal place for um, these ads to show up. So, I mean, if teams can generate, have another revenue stream from those ads and put them on jerseys, put them, put them wherever, by, by, by all means.
0: Mm-hmm. Now with those new division names comes some temporary division realignment. Uh, it's geographic in nature. So you've got basically your Northeast US teams in the East division. You've got an all Canadian North division, which would be very intriguing. You've got a West division, which features your westernmost US teams, and then the Central Division is just kind of a hogposh of what's left of the Midwest teams and your Florida teams. Uh, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on these new divisions and also what your thoughts are going to be for the 2021 schedule, which features a heavy dose of two-game sets, even an occasional four game home and home series for between some teams and a playoff system where you could get two teams that were normally in the East or two teams that are normally in the West, potentially matching up in a Stanley cup final. So I want to get your thoughts. Give me them all. Mike, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think this year is going to create uh, a bunch of new rivalries uh, in each division. You'll play, Teams, you know, six, seven, eight times in a division, you'll be able to figure them out pretty quick. So, um, akin to that, I don't know if the hockey's going to get a little bit stale or it's going to be uh, more exciting because you have those, you know, those big matchups, especially the the big one out in the in the North Division, the the Red River rivalry. No, sorry, the uh, Edmonton, the uh, Battle of Alberta, the Red River, the <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma. Whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, it's like te- uh,
1: that was the Red Rivers, Texas, so yeah. cool. yeah. Shout out, Longwoods, baby. Yeah. All over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, listen, this is our first podcast we've done together, Mike. I didn't want to jump on you for messing that up. I want to give you a chance to figure it out, but like, you know, it's all good. It's
2: all yeah, good. yeah. So, the Battle of Alberta, how about that? Edmonton, Calgary, they'll they hate each other and they'll see each other six, seven, eight times. Um, but I also think that, you know, the travel, especially in the North Division, that's going to create. Some disadvantages with the Canadian teams, especially like if you're on the eastern side of of Canada and Montreal going out to Vancouver and Winnipeg and Calgary and Edmonton all the time. Um, I think you'll see a lot of breakdown in regards to jet lag and stuff like that with plays up there, maybe a little bit more injuries and stuff like that. Um, but in regards to the division breakdown, I think the strongest I'd say would be the east. Every single team coming out of the east is a perennial contender. Um, You have, you know, a few trades um, that shook up the NHL this season, one of which was Taylor Hall going to Buffalo. Him and Jack Eichel are probably going to be real dangerous. Um, I think the weakest division is probably going to be that central division, like you said, Nick, earlier. There's really only Tampa and Dallas as your top contending teams, and the rest kind of just fall off from there. Um, Carolina could be be somewhere that could make a deep run with how young they are and how deep they are um uh, rob brendan moore does a great job with his team saw that last year against the bruins um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see um what they come up with uh nick what do you have?
1: yeah i would definitely agree on both of those fronts uh, i mean the east is just loaded with good teams like the flyers are going to be stacked this year they pretty much bring in the same group back and adding a couple other guys like oscar lindblom and nolan patrick bringing them back to their roster to only bolster what uh is already going to be probably another top-tier season for them. Uh, I don't even know if anybody really expected the Flyers to have as good of a season as they did last year, but it's really that emergence of Carter Hart as a prime elite goaltender in the NHL that is really helping them uh, on the back throughout the season. Uh, Other than that, uh, I think the North is going to be a real exciting division. I think it's the most competitive. And what I mean by that, I think out of all the divisions – I think the North division bolsters the most even competition. So like, I think between Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver, and Winnipeg, obviously taking out Montreal and Ottawa, and they already are down one team in that division compared to other divisions. Um, But I think like, when you look at the central, I mean, it's Tampa, Dallas, and then we talked about little Carolina. Um, The East is probably a second, but they still got teams like Buffalo and New Jersey, who are are really going to struggle this year, having to go up against the likes of some real tough competition. Uh, And and then in the West, I feel like it's also, you got San Jose, the Kings, uh, the ducks, all struggling teams. I like, and I, I, as a meme, I really love the idea of a Canadian division. I don't know what it is about it, but I just, I I wish it was just called Canada, like the Honda Canada division. That would, that would be like my wish. If I could change (laughs) one thing about it. Um, that would be it. Uh, okay. As far as the central division goes, I did want to mention one thing. I really like the Florida Panthers this year. If Sergey Brubovsky can get back to the way he was playing in Columbus and he kind of got better as the season got on, but he started off horribly for them last year. If he can figure it out and get back to his prime form, they have some pretty good talent there. I mean, Nolachari, I saw the stat yesterday. Nolachari, former Bruins legend, was like top 10 in only two goals behind guys like Nathan McKinnon in like 5v5 goals last year. And Achari finished with like 20 goals in the year, and 19 of them were even strength goals. So they're both – I keep saying bolstering, but they got Noel Achari on there coming out probably like that third line or somewhere around there. They got some good talent there. Um, A team that I really think is going to struggle out in the East, uh, I'd be worried – and this might be a little controversial, but I'd be a little worried about the Capitals um they have I, I I don't know anything really too much about this guy Ilya Samsonov uh, I tried looking up some stuff about him he doesn't really have a ton of NHL experience he played some games for them last year uh but he isn't I don't think he's anything too flashy if you one of you guys know obviously correct me uh they obviously got Zdeno Char that's gonna like help him out I guess pro- more so in the locker room than I think on the ice if, than anything but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitals struggled a little bit earlier, not necessarily to score, but to, you know, keep pucks out of their own net.
2: Right. And I think they'll still be the Bru- one of the Bruins killers uh, this year. They That's how it Bruins always th- is. Yeah, they have the Bruins number, and especially when they are going to be playing them seven, and eight times this year. Um, I mean, they have Ovechkin still, but they don't have Hopi in that. So I think... If they can get if the Bruins and other teams could get through, you know, Ovechkin and their their strong defense in front and get shots on it, for this Young Samsonov, I mean, you know, you can go either way. Uh he could also come out and have a year like Carter of uh last year, where he stood on his head for the Flyers, got them through to a couple rounds in the playoffs. Um, it was a stud. So it's gonna be interesting. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, it's just kind of a sneaky fact from the for the North Division, is if you're going from uh toronto all the way out to vancouver it's basically going from new york city to seattle every time so that whole travel thing and i think that's gonna introduce more risk factors for teams with covid going right now even though i think canada has a pretty firm grasp on the pandemic and whatnot um i just think that with all that travel you're going to see um more postponements and more um, games getting rescheduled uh, like we saw this year um, with the NFL and whatnot. So um, I think that that's going to perfectly segue to our next point.
0: Yeah. And just to put a wrap on it, I mean, you, you did, the travel is definitely going to play a factor in some divisions more than others. You look at the North, the, the East division rather, and the farthest distance between a team is probably what, maybe Buffalo in Washington or maybe Boston in Washington. Whereas yeah. and that's, that's a, that's an easy flight. Whereas in the other divisions, you've got a team, you've got the Florida teams having to go up to like Detroit or Chicago. You've got the, the West teams. You've got, um, you've, you've got teams that have to go from the West coast into the, into the central parts of the state. And, and then, like you said, the Canadian teams have to go all the way across the country. So not all the – not they have limited travel to an extent, but at other times it, it just – it's not possible. But, yeah, that does lead us to our next point is how is COVID, which is the whole reason why we are getting such this, this new look NHL for this year, how is COVID going to impact the season? Uh, Nick, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Mike alluded to, I think uh, you're going to see a lot of similarities between how uh, the NBA is getting hit by COVID. Uh, I, though, wouldn't be surprised if we saw more games being played in the North Division than in all the other divisions, uh, just because of how much better Canada has uh, of a grasp on it, like Mike mentioned. Um, I don't really know what else to expect. I, I just don't have a lot of confidence as the NBA just gets worse and worse. Um, stuff is just going to, I think, inevitably go down. Uh, it really just comes down to whether the teams and players, uh, can discipline themselves and discipline each other enough to really just keep themselves safe and not be going out and interacting too much socially, um, in public and trying to keep everything to a minimum in that regard. If they can do that, then, you know, they can have as much success as they did in the bubble last year. And, you know, the bubble worked out for pretty much everybody. But uh, I, I would like to hope that the NHL was see and it, like, more so the players will see how bad it has gotten for the NBA and kind of say, hey, like, you know, the NBA guys, they got their chance and they, you know, they tried to get some freedom while they were playing and it's really biting them in the ass. So maybe we got to really bat down the hatches and just limit everything to our families, keep our families from, you know, going crazy, doing other stuff and hopefully it gets better but right now uh the outlook doesn't look too great and i think that's pretty much shared with everybody who uh watches the nhl and uh, covers the nhl um i i wouldn't expect too much uh but i like to hope so i i guess the way i'll put it is i'm uh i don't expect my expectations are low but i'm trying to keep my hopes a little higher cautiously optimistic is i think the phrase you're looking for perfect thank you so much <laughs> Yeah.
2: uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we haven't even dropped the puck yet and we have um, Dallas and Florida. They postponed their uh, first two games because of COVID protocol. Vancouver had to cancel some practices due to the COVID protocol. Um, I read something earlier on TSN um, that after the training camps were done, the the NHL conducted um, their positive tests, had 27 players test positive uh, from nine different clubs. And 17 out of those 27 players came from Dallas. So, Ooh. yeah. So it's kind of like uh, what we were seeing in the MLB season where, you know, certain clubs like the Marlins and um, I think what was another team that had Cardinals. A, Cardinals. Yeah. So there, there was an outbreak there, but I mean, they were able to contain it, but it just seemed like it was, you know, teetering on, on a cliff where you had it under control one week and then it would go downhill the next. Um one of the ideas that I kind of had is kind of like a hybrid bubble system, where you would have two, either neutral sites or two cities where COVID numbers in each division, two two cities where COVID numbers weren't too bad, and you had a bubble. You had a bubble there. You had two bubble cities per division. Um, that way, you kind of have, you know, a little bit more freedom um, than you know having a one bubble in Toronto, one bubble in. Edmonton and then maybe halfway through you switch cities you bring you know three four teams into the other city and vice versa um I don't think that these leagues should have gone straight from the bubble to you know playing as normal um, we're seeing now that you know everything isn't under control and just having them going back to you even the even these smaller divisions just traveling from Boston to New York you have you know Madison Square Garden is in the heart of New York. How are these players going to avoid, you know, the risk factors that contribute to the spread of the virus? So um, that was interesting um, to see uh, that only one team had a major outbreak. But um, like you were saying, Nick, earlier, it's going to be interesting to see if they follow um, what's going on in the NBA or the NHL does a better job. Um, with their you know, internal containment of players doing their own thing outside of the rink.
0: And I think the reason you're not getting the, tor- the sort of bubble environment that you speak of, Mike, is the same reason you don't see it, you didn't see it, you haven't seen it in the NBA, and that's because the players simply won't agree to it. They, if, you, if you're talking about a month or two, maybe a little bit more, that they're willing to, to concede that. But for an entire duration of a season to be without family members, I mean, you saw the players talk at length about how difficult it was to be a month or two away from their families, their wives, their kids, and whatnot. <clears throat> to ask them to do that, you just know there's no way they're going to concede to it unless there's absolutely, literally no other choice.
2: Right. Uh, I mean, these, these teams could, you know, essentially they could take over like even if it's a neutral site, they could go into like the, a lot of these smaller rinks could be equipped to be an NHL rink, especially if they're not going to have fans and whatnot. They kind of spruce up these, these um, higher tier rinks in like neutral cities, say like in Albany, uh, New York, uh, or maybe like a Hershey, Pennsylvania cities where like, it's not a complete rural area, but it's, there's also stuff happening. Move players into there, move players' families into there, put them up for a few months um, see what happens because uh, I just don't think that we've had a good middle ground of um, successful containment and kind of returning back to normalcy so it, there's there's no right or wrong answer to figure it out it's you know we're dealt with the the cards that were given but mm-hmm. um, hopefully the the season doesn't have too many bumps in the road uh, yeah. we looking forward to seeing these guys hit the ice I think I saw that there's 60 or so days with at least two or three games coming up. So that's going to be, it's going to be great to see have sports on at least three, four times a week.
0: It'll be huge. A couple, couple notes just to wrap up COVID. Uh, I think another thing that we'll have to watch for, and I don't know if it's going to be a a big thing or not, but player opt-outs. You already saw a couple of marquee names, namely Henrik Lundqvist newly signed to the Capitals, opted out due to a heart condition. And so that's why you have the goalie questions that you have with the Capitals. Um, If we see COVID cases continuing to rise in cities across the U.S. and potentially even Canada, uh, you could see players opting out mid-season. And the way that that went in the bubble, uh, you probably don't want to be seeing that.
2: Um, right. Another thing too is that you're going to have to have, you know, the the farm teams ready to rock and roll. You're going to have to have like for example Providence, the farm team for the Bruins. They're hold up. I'm pretty sure they're doing a mini bubble for their season where they're playing their games out of a um a rink complex in Marlborough, Massachusetts. So fire so basically teams will come in, play out of there and they'll go home, same thing. So they they're not playing at their home rink in Providence. Um mm-hmm. so you're basically you, you know, you got to have and then it, it trickles all the way down. You need to have you know your your junior leagues um, the same way. So it's a lot more a lot more at stake than just having the end of the shell teams at the ready. Because like you were saying, if there are multiple opt outs, you're going to have to dip into the farm prospects. To yeah,
0: and it's funny it's funny you mentioned that, Mike. It, but that the AHL season doesn't start till February, so you're going to have these taxi squads for at least the first month or so. Uh, to accommodate for that. Um, but the other thing that I want to get to um, is that some teams, obviously we know that some teams are allowing fans off right out the get-go, but most aren't. Some are expecting to get fans into the building at some point during the season. Uh, but if some don't at all, um, that could be a slight competitive advantage. Although I think from what we've seen in, in the NFL, it didn't make too much of a big deal as I thought it might. Um, but that's still something where even four or 5,000 fans in the building, that, that'll make a di- That could make a difference just from a, a home, a home crowd standpoint.
1: Yeah. So, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to uh, too much to the NFL because <laughs> a lot of NFL stadiums are much bigger and they're open. So like volume true. is different. I, I, the comparison I would make is the NBA and you were, you know, it's a small sample size. You don't have a lot of, teams that are allowing fans in the nba i think it's like five of them i think it's like cleveland like houston maybe dallas new orleans and some maybe someone else utah i think um and i honestly i obviously haven't watched too much of those games but i don't <laughs> think it's really affected the games all that much or affected either of the teams all that much uh in in my opinion i i just kind of hope they don't bother trying like let's like at this point I, again i harped on it earlier but you've already seen how bad it's gotten with the nba and it's not necessarily the fault of the fans being there but with how bad it's already been getting why take any chances i understand they these guys need revenue like the, the owners the, the the organizations that need revenue they're already at quote going to lose billions of dollars uh <laughs> which i'm sure people are weeping about you know god uh, god forbid these millionaires and billionaires aren't getting their uh their their revenue money from people showing up to the games but uh i mean i think there's there's just you gotta you gotta have it always comes down to the conversation of money and player safety and as we can tell a lot of these a lot of these organizations and owners and teams are very revenue over player safety whether they like to admit it or not
0: yeah so uh i think that puts a bow on it so let's Let's move into our predictions for each of the divisions. We'll do favorites and sleepers, one of each for each division. Uh, let's uh, just start off with, with a bang, the, what it sounds like we think is the most interesting division of the four, that being the All-Canadian North Division. Uh, Nick, go ahead and start with your favorite for this division. <clears throat> Who you like here?
1: All right. Well, before I do that, I'm, I want to cheat a little bit. And what I mean is uh, I'm going to cheat and look at my my uh, my fellow students notes from before the podcast and flame him for what I think is a very a brash uh, prediction. I think his favorite is trash, but I'll let him say that himself. My favorite in this division, uh, in my opinion, and this is actually kind of tough because, like I said earlier, uh, a lot of these teams are kind of on a similar level. But when when you look at how playoffs usually work, you usually look at goaltending, and I think out of all the teams here, at Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck, who just won the Vezina last year, is a guy that if he gets hot again, even though I don't think he deserved the veson last year, but if he plays at that ah. level, I <laughs> uh, triggered you, little fans. But if he plays at that level. Greatest export. Uh, <laughs> listen, they have a lot of good talent there. They struggle a little defensively, but they still have some good talent. They just got Paul Stastny back, I believe. Um, and I think they have a good chance if their goaltender can carry them as we know goaltenders always do in the playoffs to win. Uh sleepers, I would probably say Calgary because Calgary is a team that always goes hot and cold. Uh as we saw last year, I believe they started really hot and then they kind of fell off the face of the earth. Uh, so I would definitely say Calgary. Because they're a very similar team for the most part, Um, especially defensively. They have a very good defense. And I think if they can kind of generate more goals and get some good goalie play, uh, I honestly forget who's still there. I think it's David Riddick is still in Calgary uh, net minding. But otherwise, um, they could have some troubles there. But I think they're a team that can definitely get hot and get streaky. And if they can continue that streak over the short course of the season, since it's a much shorter season, I don't know. Maybe they could pull something off.
0: Mike, uh, care to comment
2: to those uh, allegations, we'll call them? I know. He's coming at me hot here. All right. So I'm just going to go right off the bat here. My favorite is going to be the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, uh, disgusting. I think they come out of this division uh, with you know the, the top seed in that division. Uh, with McDavid healthy, Dreisaitl right at his side. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. A lot of young talent from that squad um, with McDavid leading the way. Um, he, he's just something else. And from what I've seen so far, he's, he's going to tear it up this year.
1: Can I, hold uh, on. Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a start. question? Okay. Uh, who do you think is better and by how much? Um, well, I, this is actually a horrible. This is a horrible. This is going to backfire. I'm not even going to ask this question. You know, what I was going to ask you. I was always going to ask you who you think is better, Drysital and uh, McDavid or Crosby and Malkin, to be like, oh, well, if you think they're better, like you know, Crosby and Malkin haven't won anything, and they literally won three Stanley Cup finals like years ago. Anyway, my point is, um, th- this team is a perennial fraud. Every year they make the playoffs and they get bounced. You know why? Because their goaltending sucks, their depth sucks, and their defense sucks. They, they let in goals because their defense can't keep teams out of the slot. It's shots uh, like bull, uh, out of this world and how many shots this team lets up. They got they had uh, their old goaltender. Where is he? Uh, what was his name? Cam Talbot. Trash. That guy stinks. He's letting in goals constantly. And they got carried to the playoffs because Leon Dreisaitl decided to say, hey, I'm going to just go off for 110 points and none of you are going to catch me. So, yes, obviously they're going to make the playoffs because they have two generational talents, but they're not going to do anything with it. And they're not going to be the top seed. I don't care how close this division is. Edmonton's always the, a fraud. They're going to be the top seed,
2: and my sleeper pick is going to be Vancouver. Um, That's starting at, the, starting at the back with uh, the new acquisition, Braden Holpe, and you know, they're very strong in net with Holpe and Thatcher Demko. Uh, as we saw last year, he, was, he, came, real, he came on real strong. Uh, behind uh, Markstrom, that's who the goalie is for Calgary. Is Mark Markstrom now? He's nasty. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. And then working your way up, you Quinn Hughes leading leading the uh, pack, and then up through the forward lines with guys like Brock Besser and Bo Horvat. Um, I think they're going to be they're they're a very young team, but a very deep team. So I think Edmonton and Vancouver are going to be coming out of that North Division. Um, and then we make our way into the States. Uh, you guys want to start off with the East Division?
0: Well, I mean, I'd, I'd like to, you know, throw out a favorite and a sleeper if you don't mind, Mike. Oh, nah, yeah. Y-
1: your opinion means nothing, bro. Oh, oh yeah.
0: All right. well, then <laughs> let me just get them out of the way. Uh, opinion number one is I agree with Nick in that this is going to be a very highly contested division. I think one through six could literally be separated by single-digit points. So I think this, that anyone could make the playoffs in this division except for Ottawa. Uh, my favorite is, and this is where I'm probably going to lose you both, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know that they are perennial kind of just – they have all the world and they can't do anything with it. But at some point, it, they, it has to come together, right? It has to. Nah. So no. I think Toronto is got to be one of the top dogs to come out of what and what is going to end up being a scrapyard to the finish. And
1: then- Do you know that meme? Uh, that meme from Pam uh, in the Office where it's like she gets shown two pictures and they're two different things, but she looks at them and she's like, "It's the same picture." Yes. So that's like if you were given like Toronto's playoff success and Edmonton's playoff success, like it's they're the same thing. They're the same picture. They're both frauds. And nothing is going to change.
2: Who do you think is going to win the cup first, McDavid or Austin Matthews?
1: McDavid, think so. Yeah. You know, maybe I should have waited. But like, I guess first impression, like the, if you if you had a gun to my head, yeah, McDavid, I was probably what I would say. But low key, I think McDavid is so good that I don't see the Oilers ever letting him go. Whereas like Austin Matthews, I can kind of see he's still really good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I could kind of see him getting dealt more easily since he's not as talented even though it's not by like a ridiculous amount the point is i could probably see him going up and getting a stanley cup somewhere else other than toronto which i would recommend because nothing good happens in toronto at least for hockey
0: yeah um as far as sleepers go in the north, uh, I'm not really sure I really have one because if you've got one through six and they're all equally the same, the only sleeper you can really have would be the team, the uh, the other team in the division. Um, so unless you think Ottawa is going to sneak in or, or have a, a fighter's chance at sneaking in, uh, so I don't
1: know, you know. it.
0: Uh, I, I think Montreal is capable. You saw what they did in the postseason last year. Yes, the regular season record was crap, but they exactly. won it, and they beat the Penguins in round one. That's what so I'm saying, was, man. I, I don't really consider the Canadians a sleeper despite the fact that they struggled in the regular season of, of, of late. Um, if you had to give me a sleep, if I had to give a sleeper, I, I would also go with Winnipeg just because of Connor Halibut. So we will move into the States. We'll start with the East division. Uh, Another tightly contested division for sure. Top heavy. Uh, You got a couple of teams on the rebuild in New Jersey, in Buffalo. Maybe Buffalo makes some noise. Maybe not. Tough to to say. Uh, I'll start with my favorite in my sleeper just to get it out of the way and let you guys get into yours. Uh, I think the favorite has to be Boston just because they're bringing back a similar, similar roster. Yes. They lose Chara and that's, that's going to be tough, but he wasn't even projected to get starter con- starters ice time. So is it that big of a loss from a talent perspective? Maybe, I don't know, uh, but I, I, I'm going with, with the Bruins to be the favorite in the East. And as far as a sleeper in the East, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going Pittsburgh. Just because last year was so disappointing. They had no business losing to the Canadians in the playoffs last year. I can see a bounce-back performance from the Penguins this year.
2: All right. I like it. Um, on my side of things, um, coming out of the East, I think the Flyers come out as the favorites. Um, they were really strong last year in the bubble in in the playoffs. Um, I think they easily could have made it to the cup finals if Tampa wasn't so good. Um, But, you know, powder heart played out of his mind and I think he's going to have another similar type year this year again. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, And a sleeper would be Buffalo Taylor hall going up to Buffalo link up with Jack Eichel is going to be an interesting um, combination. And then you have, um, Rasmus Dalin at the back holding down the um, blue line too so they're another young team um, they could go either way if they start off hot I think they'll stay hot but if they get into a hole quick I don't think they'll be able to dig themselves out
1: okay so let's let's address what's been uh, laid out on the table before I continue to speak um, Ryan you you said uh, correct me if I'm wrong you said and I quote the Bruins have to be the favorite in this division. That's what I said. Yes. How can the Bruins have to be the favorite in this division when they got worse? Because they've literally
0: just been an anchor at the top of the Eastern Conference for years until somebody knocks them off the throne.
1: Okay. Tampa did last year. Do you, do you think they're going to get far into the playoffs then? No. Or do you think? No, I
0: don't think they're okay. get out of their division.
1: Okay, so you, so you, you okay, so you think they're just going to be a regular season giant and then that they're just going to end up going nowhere in the playoffs again?
0: I think they'll finish top two in the division, but they'll, they won't make it to the final four. They'll probably lose
1: in the second round. Okay, I, I suppose I can compromise more with that. But the favorite in this division has to be Philly. Um, Boston getting worse. I feel like Washington also kind of got a little worse. Pittsburgh is more of just the same, and so are the Islanders. Buffalo ain't getting that much better enough to really make a difference, at least. New Jersey still flat out sucks. And then the last team is what's going to be my sleeper, is these New York Rangers. They have a lot of young talent, and they have a lot of unproven guys. This is the perfect formula for what a sleeper is. A lot of unproven guys, and you know what? I I say, I say this a lot. I make this comparison between sports a lot. The 2013 Boston Red Sox were a band of misfits. They had some good high end talent, but they were mostly a bunch of average dudes all having great years at the same time. Like guys like John Lackey and uh, Johnny Gomes and Mike Napoli, guys who aren't really revered for being top end talent, but all having great seasons at the same time. And that's what won them the world series. the Rangers, Kind of have that same formula, except they're not really vets. They're more young guys, but they're all guys that are unproven that have a chance to really go out there and really prove that they can be a uh, a future dynasty in this league. They just got that number one pick, Alex Lafreniere. I think I pronounced that right. Alexis. But it's Alexis, Alexis, Alexis Whatever. Nasty dude from Europe. That's what I'm going to call him. Canada. Nasty European hockey. He's Canada. Are you serious?
2: He's he's Canadian. We're going to have to cut that out. He's yeah. yeah, that's
1: tough. That's This is a tough look. Nobody's going to be able to tell me I know hockey anymore. Anyway, my point is, Artemi Panarin and Mika Sabanajad are still going to carry this team, and they have a lot of guys that could come up and have good items for them. And they got that goalie. Igor. Igor, yeah. That guy is an animal, and he's a tank. And if he was healthy last year, they could have had a totally different outcome at the end of their season. But I think this is a team to keep your eye on, at least as a sleeper. And then, like I said, I think Philly is going to top this division just because they have a, a crazy amount of talent that's coming back.
0: All right, so we'll move on to the Central Division. Uh, Mike, why don't you start us off?
2: What are you What are you looking at here for the Central? Um, I think the favorite is going is the obvious one is it's got to be Tampa. Um, they're the top, they're going to be the top dogs coming off a Stanley cup win. And it's going to be theirs for the taking in that division. Um, They had to let a few core guys go just because they were in kind of a cap jail, but um, you know, I, they, they made some moves to make it work. And if Stamkos comes back healthy and they have Vasilevsky in that, uh, they're going to be another force to be reckoned with. Um, in that division, I think it's going to be Tampa Carolina, Dallas, and then sleeper will be uh, Columbus. Um, their young goalie, uh, Merzlikens, Elvis Merzlikens, he had another great year, really great year last year. Um, and I think that they're they're a team that, you know, under John Tortorella, they're they're able to kind of go in the direction of, say, like the Patriot way. Like they, they believe in their message. They believe in the style of play that Tortorella plays and wants them to play or – um, so I think they're the sleeper pick in the Central, but there's really not too many contenders to take that sleeper that sleeper spot.
0: Yeah, so uh, for me, my favorite is definitely Tampa. I 100% agree. Even though the team that they went up against in the Stanley Cup final is now in their own division, I, I still just don't see anyone taking down the defending champs. Uh, my sleeper, is, and you guys have already touched on them a little bit earlier, and that is that is the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, in a division where the top teams, as good as they are, they're also banged up. Kucherov, he's out for the season. I believe it's hip surgery. And then Tyler Sagan, who knows how long he's going to be out after off-season surgery. Uh, so the top teams, as good as they are, they do have – a little bit of vulnerableness to them early on in the season at least. Um so I think a team like Carolina, as you guys mentioned, could take advantage of that with the way they the top end talent that they have, uh, uh Aho,
2: Acho. Uh, Aho. Sebastian Ajo. So, yeah Sebastianaho. Is, is a great
0: talent. Um uh, I mean they've they've got the pieces there to put something together. Um so don't be surprised if, if they end up making a little bit of a noise in the playoffs, kind of like they did two years ago.
1: All right. So I suppose that just leaves me now. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about Dallas and that da- it seems like this conversation when it comes to the favorite out of this division uh, is obviously centered around Dallas to Tampa and even Tampa losing, losing guys like Luke Shen, uh, you know, kind of a depth of peace, but they were able to retain like Anthony Sorelli and uh, Sergeyev. Uh, those guys have pretty much been centerpieces, and I, I believe their second, third lines, uh, maybe even their fourth line. Um, they're still going to be just fine because mainly, not only they're a stacked team all around, even without Kucharov, um, but Dallas is really going to struggle to score goals. They brought Anton Hudobin back, and that's great. That's probably the best goalie tandem in the entire league um, But with Ben Bishop, but that guy just needs to get healthy.
2: They just they um, can't even get on the ice right now, let alone stay healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, but let's, you know, hypothetically, if he is healthy, that is the best goalie tandem in the league. Uh, but nonetheless, Hugh showed that, I mean, he could come in and play a long stretch of hockey and play very efficiently. You know, kind of wish the Bruins had a guy like that, but it's fine because their goalies were great last year anyways. Um, but they're really going to struggle to score goals. They already had offensive issues as, as it was as a team last year. But now they're without their one of their top goal scorers, Tyler Sagan, until uh, April uh, because of hip surgery, I believe, or, um, or something like that. So they're going to have even more problems than they did last year. So my favorite is still Tampa. As far as sleepers go, I kind of gave you a little foreshadowing earlier when I talked about the Florida Panthers. Yeah, they lost Mike Hoffman, their top goal scorer from last year. 29 goals, 30 assists for them These are top, uh, their top goal scorer, not their top point scorer. They still have Evgeny Dadonov, Jonathan Huberdeau, Alexander Barkov. And my favorite, Noel Achari. And don't you sleep on Frank Vetrano. Yes, Bruins fans, remember Frank Vetrano, the fourth liner who did nothing, scored 18 goals last year for the Florida Panthers. Like this makes me want to punch the air. Old man is yelling at clouds. That's me right now watching Frank Vetrano last year score goals for this team. It was actually 16 goals, 18 assists to be exact. But then you come into this season, and I said, yes, they lost Mike Hoffman, but they brought in some other pieces. They got Alexander Wenberg. They got Anthony Duclair. They got Patrick Hornquist, and they got Vinny Hinnestroza and their 2018 first round pick Grigory Denisenko. That's right. I did some damn research to look up these names. Now, I don't know how much this young guy is going to do for them. But like I said, Sergei Broboski, if he comes back to his form, man, you better watch out. This team could scare you and sneak up on you this season in the Central Division.
0: Well put. Uh, can't, that's going to be a tough one to argue. Uh, how now I have my sleeper finishing second in the division. What about you guys?
2: Oh, yeah, second, 100%. I think Columbus will finish second.
0: Columbus finishing second.
2: Interesting. What about
1: you, Nick? What, what, oh how, what, what do you have Florida finishing in the division? Uh, I will say probably fourth. Um, they, mm-hmm. I think they have the potential. To probably get as high as two, uh, I, I think that'll be a little tough. But uh, yeah. I would say they probably finish closer to uh, four, maybe three. I, I still sure. think Tampa, Dallas, and probably Carolina are gonna you know, still be better teams. Sure. But you know, if Carolina can't get a goaltender to play consistently like they have in the past with Peter Mrazic and James Reimer, they've been pretty good until the playoffs. Uh, but if those guys, you know, fall off the cliff this year for for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't see why Florida can't compete with that third spot, but I still think they'll probably end up around four.
0: All right, and let's move on to the final division. It's the Western division. Uh, It seems like a three-horse race at the top here between Colorado, Mm -hmm. Vegas, and St. Louis, and then whoever scraps and claws their way into that fourth and final spot. Uh, So Mike, I'll start with you. What are you thinking
2: here? Colorado is a wagon. They still remain a wagon, and they're my favorite to come out of the West Division um, as a top seed and, and go to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, not win the Cup, um, but um, I think that they, they should be able to go real deep. With how, how incredibly talented they are. We saw with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCar leading that team to almost the Stanley Cup final last year. Um, that would have been a, a great series for them to go out and play Tampa for the Cup. Um, but we'll see if I hope, I think that they're going to have have a, pretty much the same kind of year that they did last year, just a complete wagon from start to finish. Um, and then coming out as my sleeper is going to be Arizona um i think they're they're real they're really young um and they got some uh young draft pieces coming out of the draft this year um but i think they're don't sleep on the on the coyotes especially with those new uh desert style jerseys those retro retro jerseys that they got this year which those mind you are probably one of the best ones that they came out with um so don't sleep on them especially when it comes to jersey power
0: Yeah, those jerseys are going to definitely win them a few games. Um, And that's why I also have them as my sleeper. Uh, We've we've got the the same favorite and sleeper here, Mike. Uh, Can't disagree with you here. Nathan McKinnon leads arguably the most talented team in the league. Uh, So got to roll with them. And then sleeper-wise, yeah, Arizona, they've got the defense. The goaltending is in place. If they could learn how to put puck in the net, then that's an that. expert
1: analysis right there, man. Yeah. they put in the net,
0: they're, they're going to make the playoffs. But Fucked in deep. Phil Kessel will do the rest very
1: well. So Berga. They learn how to do that. Nick, go ahead. Well, uh, look, this division is probably the worst division to talk about on a podcast. And that like, and I'm gonna just, I'm i I'm gonna go through it all for you. Anaheim sucks. Los Angeles sucks. San Jose sucks. And Minnesota is the uh, pinnacle of mediocre when it comes to NHL hockey. And that really only leaves you with four teams. Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas are, like you said, the perennial three teams in this division. But it's so blaringly obvious that Colorado are the favorite to come out of this division. Um, I tried thinking in my head how I was going to – whip up a way to tell you that st louis and Vegas or vegas were going to be the favorites well, listen they got complete teams st louis replaced alex petrangelo with tory crook uh their goaltending is i, I mean okay I, i'm not like jordy benetton was fantastic a couple years ago and i don't want to talk about that that was i don't want to talk about that year but uh <laughs> he obviously kind of came back down to earth last season so much so that i believe jake allen had to come play a little bit. I mean, look, I'm not going to try and tell you that Colorado is the favorite because they are. And neither St. Louis and Vegas are sleeper teams because they're going to be competing for the top. So that only leaves Arizona as a sleeper. So again, that's why this team is very, they're not this team, this division is very uninteresting to talk about because the three of us have the same two teams. And I can't even find, I can't even fake, like I, like on first take, I can't fake tell you that with the death rate pointing at me, I want Andre Iguodala taking the shot. I can't do that. I can't tell you that San Jose is going to be a sleeper. They suck, Mike.
0: Yeah, no, it's tough. But with it being a three-horse race, it makes winning the division and getting that top seed and avoiding having to play the other two, it, it makes winning the division probably the most division important division to win of the four.
1: I will say that. For sure, for sure. Everyone's going to be clawing for that spot.
0: Now let's talk some Bruins. We've talked about the league as a whole. Now let's dig into the hometown Bruins. Nick, I know you've been waiting to do this. The floor is
1: yours. Listen, I I don't really know where to start. Um, I guess the first thing I have to do in a chronological order is bash front office. Because what, what did you do for us? You didn't. You didn't go get Tory Krug back for us. And I understand. You know, it was just a situation like everybody saw it coming, and like whatever. I'm over at this point. But all you've gotten in return was Craig Smith. And I'm actually excited about Craig Smith. Don't again. Don't get me wrong. Don't take the anger as if I'm not excited about having Craig Smith. He's one of the best five v five players in the league last year. Okay. But you know. As New England fans, we, we get our expectations a little high. We we have a very high level of we have a high standard of what our teams are supposed to be. So, uh, the the trade-off between Tory Crew and Craig Smith, albeit different positions, doesn't exactly kind of even out when you take the value that Tory Crew brings to a team's defense from both the offensive and defensive side. Um, nonetheless, I am excited to see some young talent get a chance to showcase their skills. And most particularly um, on the defensive side, I am excited to see Matt Grusel take on a more prominent role. Um, he will probably slot in around Brandon Carlo. That that probably makes sense. And I'm seeing a lot of Jeremy Lauzon playing with Charlie McAvoy. Uh, hopefully McAvoy stays healthy this year. I mean, I feel like every year we go in problems where he gets hurt. But um, they have a lot of young defensive guys that they're going to have to swap through. Uh, and Jacob Zaborro is, is finally going to get a chance to play. He'll, if, he, if he starts, he'll probably start alongside Kevin Miller. And again, having Kevin Miller back is really good. Hopefully he's playing you know, like he was before. He went down for what feels like five years. But there is still excitement to be had with this team, and obviously you're going to get that excitement when you have a first line, the best first line in the year. I hate how they call it the perfection line. That pisses me off, okay? I understand that the best line of hockey probably maybe only arguably second to Colorado. But uh, you're, with these guys, you're always going to have competition. And I'm, I'm going to say this right now. We can revisit this another time. If Jake DeBrusque doesn't have a 30-goal season, cut him. Get uh, Maybe not cut him. Trade him. So I do something with him. I'm sick of this guy having such good – like you he, he, he see flashes Freeze. of talent. You see flashes of talent with Jake DeBrusque in his ability to score, but he just doesn't do it consistently. How many times are we going to have to go through a season and, and a stretch of the season? where We're like, well, you know, Jake DeBrusque, no goals in his last eight games. It's like, brah, you're playing with David Krejci. He is good. Like he's really good. He's a great facilitator at the center position. Um, and, and not only Jake DeBrusque needs to score some goals, but the guy who apparently his only job is to shoot pucks and put pucks on and in the net, Andre Kasha, who is definitely going to slide in on that second line with them as he was last season, needs to stay healthy because that guy also has injury issues. But he needs to stay healthy, and he needs to put some pucks in the net. That's some expert analysis for you. Okay, other than that, I'm excited for the third line, Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. That should be really fun to watch. They're a great puck possession line. Um, I am really nervous that they're going to try and play Nick Ritchie at that line just because he's a big dude. And like the Bruins, probably front office and whoever are afraid of getting pushed around constantly. So they're like, oh, Nick Ritchie, big guy, put him in lineup. We not get pushed around no more. (laughs) And it just sucks. He sucks and I hate him. Okay. I saw that he scored a goal in training camp and I was furious because I was like, damn it. They're going to put him in the lineup now because of that goal in training camp. But, like, look, the projections, um, with Pasternak out probably a month, hopefully maybe sooner, hopefully it gets back to the lineup sooner. There there are rumors that he might be back into the lineup a little less than early February. Uh, That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, 48 goals tied for the league last year. You'll love to see that. Um, A guy that you need to watch, another young guy that's getting a chance probably that first month while Pasternak is out, Jack Stednica he is going to have a chance probably to slide in and play some first line minutes. I think um, with Bergeron and Marshawn we, he has been touted as one of the best prospects in the, uh, in the Bruins program. And he's going to get a chance to shine. And hopefully I really hope he does something with it because when he got his chances last year, he didn't do all too much with them. Um, So again, this is going to be the year of the young guys coming up from Providence uh, and seeing what they really have. That's why they decided to move on from Charo, because you know you got McAvoy and Carlo and Grizzlick, and you know you're going to get Kevin Miller back, but you got those two guys, I believe they're both the left side of the defense, that you really are going to have to slot in some people at, and it's probably going to be Lauzon, and it's probably going to be Zaboral, but guys like Yerho Vakaninen are also going to be there. We talked about this taxi squad earlier on in the show that's going to play a huge role because if guys go down to COVID, you're going to see these other guys slot in. And especially another name, Trent Frederick could get some chance at the fourth line, along with Sean Crawley and Chris Wagner. I feel like you're going to see a lot of different guys get their chances to play on that fourth line. And also Anders Bjork, another guy is going to get some chances in the lineup. And, you know, I, uh, I have some high hopes for this, you know, I have some high hopes for these young guys uh, hopefully some of them really prove to be worth all those first round draft picks that we spent on them. Um, disappointed to see, well, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but the Bruins waived Zach accent and he cleared waivers, uh, former first round overall pick. I believe he was like a, like 15 or something around there. Uh, what a waste of a pick that kid stinks. Um, not surprised that he cleared waivers and all Um, the last thing I would like to say before I hand it off to Mike or anybody else who has any other thoughts um, the goalie situation Um, fans have been very I would say polarized by what happened with Tuka Rask last year and I feel like I have to say something because I had been saying a lot of things about the Rask situation uh, last year. And I think it was in emotion. I have to apologize because I think I gave Tukaraz too much slander for leaving the bubble. And after he's been kind of open up and talking more about what's going on, there's no reason he should have stayed. Like it makes absolute sense for him to go. And I think we were all just emotional fans um, in this playoff run with such high hopes because, you know, everybody keeps talking about that window closing, you know what I mean? Window closing. So Hopefully, um, Tuca just continues to play well, and it's not a problem in the locker room. And uh, yeah, that's, that's my very long rant about uh, how I feel about the Bruins right now. Yeah,
0: thank you for that sermon, Nick. I think you <laughs> name-dropped
1: half the roster there. Um,
0: hey, so hey listen, it. I got
1: I to gotta flex my knowledge, okay? The listeners need <laughs> to know that I know what I'm talking about, at least something, you know?
0: <laughs> Mike, uh, agree, disagree?
2: Uh, comments, concerns about? I hope you are taking notes. Um I will say my spiel is not as half as long as that rendition there but um I will say this is a, another year where the Bruins do not have um a top 6 forward group. They have their top 3 and it falls off from there. Um the Bruins in the front office have done a historically terrible job of um Utilizing their draft talent and utilizing their draft talent to make moves across the league, um, they could have easily had uh, a shot at a few guys this offseason. Um, namely, Mike Hoffman. He goes to St. Louis on a PTO and signs a one-year deal. You mean to tell me they couldn't bring him? They couldn't send uh, a low-round pick or bring him in for a tryout? He was he was he was a stud last year, um, and that's just to name a few. Like if David Krejci was able to play, was able to have a, a right wing, a, a true second line right wing or a true second line left wing throughout these whole years, the Bruins would probably have won three Stanley Cups. But since they rely so heavily on that top three and they haven't you know, diversified or haven't and diversify their lineup and stuff like that with all these young kids they don't have that that second line solid second line talent that you see across the league like a lot of these guys who filter in who um kind of get thrown into the lineup in the second line they're they're fourth liners on on other teams so it's another year where you just you dealt with the cards you're given with and it's gonna be it's gonna be the same old song and dance with what the Bruins offer this year. They they don't make moves at the trade deadline. They don't make moves at the draft. They have to rely heavily on their farm system to to get them through the year. Um, but we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe this year they do something different. They do something surprising. Send a couple of those picks elsewhere. Get one of those those top six guys, especially a right wing, um, to fly into that lineup and be and be a core guy like you see, uh, Martian, like you see Bergeron, on Cause right now they have a top one center and that's it up, up front. The rest, they're all filling pieces. Um, uh, Martian is going to be coming back on the injury. Um, same thing with Pasternak. Um, if he can't light the lamp, like he did last year, the Bruins are going to be in trouble. So that's my, that's my spiel on the, on the Bruins this year. I don't think they make it too deep in the playoffs. Um, I, It'd be interesting to see even if they make it out of the first two divisional rounds, but um, I'm a Bruins lifelong Bruins fans. I hope they do. Hope they win the cup, but realistically, I don't think they'll get past that second round. Yeah,
0: um, so I want to go back to one point that Nick made. He brought up to and how last year he left the bubble. Uh, I don't think it's a it's a it's too much of a concern. But is there any possibility that he could have lost? his teammates with the, the whole way it went down or is that kind of in the past I think and, the it's a, and they move on?
2: I think it's all in the past, especially since it was a family matter, I believe. So I think the front office is behind them. The team's going to be behind him. Um, you know, if, it, if he, if he wasn't so transparent about what happened with, you know, his the family situation, I think it would have been a different story. Um, but I think, What's gonna What's gonna prove to them is is what he shows on the ice. If he comes out and kind of is on cloud nine, and they have to go to Halak more often than not, um, then maybe you'll see they might try and move him. But if he comes out with kind of the motivation that that we saw last year in the in the first half of the season where he was uh, a Vesna a Vesna favorite, um, but I think this this is the last year I think we'll see Tuka trying to prove himself because. If he doesn't prove himself on the ice, I think they should definitely move him at the trade deadline, earliest the trade deadline, if not after the season. Because I believe it's a contract year for him as well, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there. But if it is a contract year, it's it's one of the more important years of his career because you know, teams have seen what he's capable of. But if he if he can't come out and contribute to to what the Bruins are doing, then I think he'll move on as a free agent at the end of the year. But if he comes out and is a showpiece for the Bruins in the first half of the year, maybe they move him for a couple guys, a couple stud guys to make a deep run in the playoffs or something like that. Cause they have the goaltending depth to, to make that move. But I just don't think they'll be able to pull the trigger or want to pull the trigger at that point.
1: I think the one word that we are, we haven't mentioned yet in regards to Tuka is retirement. I mean, he's been asked about retirement by the media before, and he's kind of been like, uh, like, you know, not too transparent about when exactly he thinks he'll retire, but like, I mean, he is, he is getting up there. And I don't know how, how long he plans on playing for, especially if family means as much to him as you can clearly tell it does. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a circumstance where he ends up just retiring after this season. If, you know, if the, the, the stars align for that to happen, I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. So um, again, I think, a lot of Bruins fans will probably agree with you, Mike, and trading Tuka Rask, especially if his value is pretty high, as long as they're not worried about him retiring. Last year he had a two one two goals against average and a 9-2-9 save percentage. I mean, he was obviously top goalie in the league. And when you have a guy like Halak behind him, obviously you don't want Halak playing the whole year. But you can get something back for Tuka Rask and maybe like maybe you go get a top six forward and then maybe some more. Maybe you fill those holes um, with by trading Tuka. So I don't know. Uh, remains to be seen. And it all depends on how they play this year.
0: Now, last year, the Bruins got off to a pretty hot start en route to winning the president's trophy and finishing with the best, the highest point total in the league. Uh, This year, it looks to be a tough ask for them to get off to another quick start. Nine of their first 11 games are versus playoff teams from last year. Uh, So that's definitely something to consider uh, early on, if the if the Bruins skid to like a oh I don't know four four and three start um, that I don't I'm not saying that's that's cause for concern pull you know smash the 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 button but um, that's definitely something where if if they come out flat you they're not going it, the record is not going to look well if if they do not come out playing well um, so. I think we are all in agreement that the Bruins should make the playoffs. They should be in the top four in their division, and that it's going to be difficult for them to get out of the division and make it to the last four seasons in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Am I correct in, in that?
2: Yeah, I'm on board with that 100%. Yeah.
0: So I think we're, I'll use this phrase again. Cautiously optimistic for the Bruins that they can have another good, maybe even great season, but it's going to take a, like it's going to take a very great season for them to go make another deep run in the Stanley cup playoffs. So with that in mind, let's get into our Stanley cup champion predictions who will be hoisting the cup when all is said and done. Mike, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Who, uh, who's hoisting the cup, and who are they taking down in the final?
2: It's going to be going to the wagon of the West, the Colorado Avalanche, and they're going to be taking down the Flyers in the Stanley Cup final. In six games, Nathan McKinnon is going to be the consmite winner, and that is my prediction.
1: Nick? Oh, geez. Um. You know, I, I wanted to say the same thing, and I just had a feeling you were going to say the same thing too. Uh, so <laughs> for the purposes of the podcast, I will try to think of uh, a different one that could possibly happen. So while um, you do that, I'll give mine. All right, cool. And
0: I, I also have the Avalanche in the final, but I have them going down to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who will repeat as Stanley Cup champions, I think if they make it that far, if they make it to say the the conference final round, even though there are no conferences this this year, uh, you could see potentially a Nikita Kucherov come back at that late end of the season, and that could be the 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 spark to make the, get that extra push to repeat. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying he's even going to play a second on the ice, but they have all of the pieces. They have the death. They've done it. They did it last year. I can easily see them doing it again.
2: Two potential repeat champs this year, I think, Brownie. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Chiefs and the NFL, I think. Uh, don't even get is me be... started. <laughs>
0: 2021
2: is going to be the year of the repeat, I think.
1: I'm so triggered online right now. Um, okay, so after further review, um, I will – I will give you this—a team we haven't really talked too much in depth about. Um, I like the Vegas Gold. Nice chances this year, not necessarily just to win it all, but to just you know come out on top, or at least probably more or so second in that Western Division. Um, Vegas has a surprisingly uh, depth-filled roster. Uh, you know, when we when they first entered the league. I don't really think people expected them to be quite as good as they have been, and in particular, uh, making that Cup final against Washington. Albeit they lost uh, a couple years ago, but you know they they bring in a guy like Alex Petrangelo this season to to really uh, brunt down that defense, and they keep some of that same offensive talent that they have in Carlson, Marchesal, and Max Pacioretty. Another thirty goal season last year for him and Riley Smith Bruins legend, of course. Um, they're a team that I could envision making that West uh, division even more competitive than it already is projected out to be. And not only that, I could see them making the Stanley cup. And you know what, because it's a wacky season. And like we talked about, you can get two teams from the same division in the Stanley cup. Screw it. How about Vegas and Colorado? Let's do it. Let's get freaky boys. Colorado and Vegas. That's what I'm going to uh, put on the record, put, write that down. That's what I'm going to, that's what I'm gonna have for my prediction as the Stanley Cup Finals is here. Who's win? Probably Colorado, but you know, let's have some fun.
0: Uh, so this is the part where I tell you that that's literally not possible. Oh, I thought you said it was possible. Now you're making me look bad. They're in the same division. Only one of those teams can make it out of their division.
1: Yeah, who who said something about reseeding?
0: That's after it takes the four. You take the four teams that survive their divisions.
1: Oh, Very this is easy. this is a bad look, man. I this thought you were so the hockey guy, guy here. I I told I did not say that. That is an absolute I, lie. I thought you read the notes. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't read all the notes. <laughs> all right. Do you wanna try again or are you just gonna
0: take your F on? No,
1: no, I'm gonna pack up my bags and go home. <laughs>
0: All righty. So before we we wrap up, I do want to talk some football. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least speak to about the weekend that was in the NFL and college football. The super wild card weekend in the NFL it definitely delivered. Four of the six road teams securing victories. You had the Rams and the Browns picking up upset victories, uh, in somewhat surprising fashion. At least in the way it went down Uh, and so the divisional round is going to give us Brady Breeze three can Brady finally beat Drew Breeze in the Saints he's tried twice and failed we'll see if he can do it the third time's the charm and as Mike referenced earlier it's the beginning of Casey's quest to repeat against those upstart Browns should be four pretty good games as it was last weekend And I know it's early, and the lines are going to change. But if I'm picking the games against the spread, give me the Rams to cover plus six and a half. Give me Buffalo minus two. Give me Kansas City minus 10. And give me New Orleans minus three. Do you have any thoughts about...
2: So, yeah, I'll, uh, absolutely. So I'll give you my my outlook and how the rest of the playoffs are gonna go because I know I'm gonna get some shtick from you both. Um, I think I think the the rest of the way the Chiefs beat the Browns, the Bills beat the Ravens, um, Packers and Saints uh, battle for the NFC ch- championship. Chiefs Packers in the Super Bowl, and Chiefs repeat as Super Bowl champions chalk of course
0: you're going chalk oh unbelievable nick care to comment
1: um i mean look i am i'm at a loss of words right now um this is a this this is a tragedy you never want to you never want to see anything like this you never you never want to see two people on one podcast really disparage their reputation by not being able to, you know, make logical takes on the live air. Um, what what Mike just said was distasteful. It was disrespectful. It has no logic, and I I hate everything about it. Um, so putting that to the side and trying to rebound from some horrific NHL takes. I will tell you, uh, I think as far as the Super Bowl goes, that whoever makes it out of the NFC is actually going to win. I think whether it's Green Bay um, or Tampa or New Orleans, the only team that's not going to win the Super Bowl, in my opinion, is the Rams. And I don't see the Rams, even if they do somehow beat Green Bay, they're not going to be whoever wins uh, out of New Orleans and Tampa. Uh, And whoever makes it to the Super Bowl of those three teams, as long as it's one of those three teams, is going to absolutely demolish whoever makes the Super Bowl. Um, and who do I think is going to make it? Well, I mean, that clearly comes down to the bills. And then because the Ravens, I mean, get out of here, they have no chance. But it comes down to the Browns and the Chiefs. And I hate the Chiefs. So I can't, I can't tell you that they're going to be there. So I'm going Browns, Bills, in the AFC Championship, ride the Browns the whole way, get them to the Super Bowl. And then we will have what? That is a freezing cold take, if I've ever. No, heard it one. is a it is a a fumingly hot take. Okay, it is fire because the Browns are going to play. It's gonna it's gonna be Browns v Brady, Brady v Browns. Brady gets another ring. Go Bucks! Uh,
2: I think All you right. need to be put
1: in uh, take jail after that because that that was a just. Hey, listen, Absolutely you can put horrendous takes. You can put me in the NHL take jail for not understanding the playoffs or what country Alexis Lafreniere is from, but I will not be put in NFL jail over this take. You All will, right, eat, you will, we will return on another pot and you will eat these words. My friend, the cheese are going down frauds.
0: All right. For, for Mike Barry and Nick Brown, I'm your host, Ryan Brown and this has been another episode of Fixing to Talk Sports presented by Mountain Off Sports